We need to stop judging women's choices. Money and building wealth is not her only objective in life. And kind of back to our moms, you know, the value that women place on family and caring for their parents and building their communities is often a much higher priority than dealing with investments. Does talking about your money make you cringe? Are you tired of fighting about finances? Do you want to stop sabotaging your financial happiness? Then you are in the right place. Welcome to Breaking Money Silence, a podcast series aimed at helping all of us talk more openly about money. Your host, Kathleen Burns Kingsbury, is a wealth psychology expert who is doing what she does best, speaking about taboo topics. International speaker, author, and founder of KBK Wealth Connection, Kathleen understands money and our relationship with it. Over the past decade, she has empowered thousands of people to break money silence at home and at work. Now, here is Kathleen. Today, we are here with a repeat guest, Marsha Mentel. She's from Mentel Retirement Consulting. She is an author, a speaker, a consultant, a subject matter expert, and she's been in the field for nearly 30 years. Marsha has helped the country's foremost financial services firms and advisors increase their knowledge of complex retirement concepts and regulations. Thank God she does that, not me. <laughs> then turns the technical into the tangible, and she has a great gift for that. Her remarkable ability to translate challenging retirement concepts into everyday language that educates and motivates real people to take the right steps to achieving the retirement that we desire. She is a go-to expert on Social Security and Medicare, also happy that she covers those topics, <laughs> and all things retirement. She has written a book, her latest book, which is a book after my own heart. She never told me she was writing it, and it just appeared in the mail, and I thought, this is so wonderful that even though I've had you two or three times on the podcast, I have to help you back. This new book is called Cooking Up Your Retirement Plan. And I've got to tell you, it's a must read for all listeners. So whether you're a woman, whether you're a man, whether you are a couple or an advisor serving them, I think it's a really nice workbook and, and just gives you so many ideas. So welcome, Marsha, back to the Breaking Money Silence podcast. Kathleen, thank you so very much. And I'm glad it was a delightful surprise to get that little package in the mail. It was. It was really super. So you've written so many books, and there have been books on retirement. You've written lots of articles. You have a blog that goes out quite often. So why did you decide on a retirement, I have this in quotes, a retirement cookbook? Help the listeners understand this decision and how you, sorry for the pun, cooked up the idea. Oh, that's good. I thought you were saying, so they know you're not really crazy. Um, <laughs> Kathleen, it's a really interesting situation being in the financial services world, right? For whichever lane you're in, advisor, home office, bank, broker dealer, you know, all of it. We are all 100% focused on the money. However, and that's a good thing. I mean, let's not change that. However, real people when they're thinking about retirement, aren't only focused on the money. They're trying to decide, when can I quit my job? They're trying to decide, what am I going to do in retirement? And how do I stay relevant and have meaningful you know, stuff to do? 
and what it kind of over the years, you know, I worked in this business a long time. What I notice is there's nothing fun about retirement and there's no how to. So we tell everybody like, oh my gosh, you have to plan for retirement. You're 30 years old. You got to be thinking about retirement and planning for it. And then you get to be 50 and my goodness, you're getting closer to retirement. You got to plan for it. And oh dear God, don't get to 60 because you need a retirement plan. Okay. The consumers say, the, I call them the real people say, uh, where do I start? What do I do? And so what's happened over these years of talking to individuals and couples, they only can give me one answer when asked, well, what are you going to do in retirement? And that's to travel. Like you got 30 years in front of you, 30 years of what <laughs> should be amazingly fun years. And you're going to travel. Uh, okay, that's nice. But how are you going to fill in the rest of, let's say, the 29 years you're not traveling? So I I just, you know, I, I watch a lot of Food Network TV and HGTV and I cook. I'm the family chef. I don't want to be the family chef, Kathleen, but nobody else is cooking at my house. <laughs> so, you know, I find that we all have this common thread. We're all in the kitchen, either we're the, you know, quote, chef or we are having a party and everyone shows up in your kitchen anyway, even though you set up the living room. The, my kids come home and we all hang at the kitchen table. Like your entire important, the important parts of your life happen in your kitchen. And then there are these recipes because, you know, if you want something new for dinner, I mean, I've been cooking now for 40 years for my family. That is a lot of dinners. That's somewhere in the neighborhood of, I don't know, 13,000 dinners. Sometimes I run out of ideas, Kathleen. And what do you do? <laughs> you open a cookbook. Yeah. Now, I might do it online, but, uh, you know, it's that idea like, what am I going to have? And you need to thumb through a book. You go, oh, I've never tried that recipe before. Or how do I make something? You know, it's like, oh, what do I need? Do I have all the ingredients to make this new thing or this old thing that I'm going to make? You know, do I have all the chili ingredients or am I missing something? So where it all swirls around in my head and comes out is we've taken the fun out of planning for retirement. We don't give anyone a how-to guide. And in our industry, everything is unfamiliar to the people doing the day-to-day -day everywhere in America. So I kind of put those pieces together and said, my gosh, let's make it fun and familiar and stop trying to make people come to us. Let's go to where the people are comfortable. I and love so, that. I yeah, love that. Came out with the cookbook. And what, and, and I love the analogy, I think it's in the intro of the book where you talk about retirement is kind of like a recipe for lasagna. Can you say a little <laughs> bit more about that? Yes, I love that. I, I came up with that on the fly years ago when I was presenting, I think somewhere out in California. And it's like, you know, if you can make a lasagna, you can deal with all this retirement stuff, be it what you're going to do with your time or how to handle money. And the audience was hysterical. And I, and I asked them, and it was a big group, I don't, you know, a couple hundred people. And I said, well, raise your hand if you know how to make a lasagna, you make a lasagna. And, you know, almost all the hands go up. And then I said, who makes the best lasagna? And all the hands went up. <laughs> and, you know, because everyone has their, you know, quote, secret recipe, their family recipe, or what you put in your lasagna, or what you don't put in it. So it's this idea that 
you have all kinds of ingredients. You know, and I picture, I'm a messy cook, by the way. Everyone hates it when mama's making lasagna because they have to clean up and I use every pot and pan. So you've got stuff spread all over your counter, every ingredient you can think of. And the ingredients are fine, right? I mean, you need the ricotta cheese and you need the sausage or whatnot and the noodles, but it's not lasagna until you start the layers. And then you build up this concoction in your pan but then you have to bake it and it bakes for a good long time. So it's that concept or that familiar thing that you could wrap your hands around and your arms around and go, oh, yeah, I have all these ingredients. I got to do something with them. I need to layer them. There's an order to planning successfully for retirement. And then you want to let it bake. I want to think about it. Well, then what if it doesn't go that way? Well, then put a different ingredient in or take two out and see what happens. So that's, you know, it was just a fun off the cuff comment I made in a presentation that turned out to be, oh, that's actually how I want to describe getting ready to retire. Yeah. Yeah. And I like the idea that you, it needs to bake. You need to think about it. I know you build in conversations. You know, there's a lot of good information in this book and we'll put a, a link in the show notes so people can check it out and buy it for themselves. Uh, Thank you. There are so many mistakes that people make around retirement, but if you had to think about, you know, the number one or the number, the top two mistakes people make as they approach retirement, what would they be and how can our listeners avoid them? Yeah, for me, the, besides thinking you're going to travel every day for 30 years, that's a mistake. It It is this idea and this concept that you can live another 30 years and that is still so again i've been doing this working on retirement income for 30 years and 30 years ago it was a shock to for people to consider they might live 30 more years because no one in their families really had lived that long or they didn't have that concept that they could but we're 30 years later and it's still the biggest surprise out there that people just really cannot grasp and, and can't even imagine themselves with, I don't know, is it that you're going to have a whole lot more wrinkles and more gray hair? Or is it just you can't imagine being an older person? Or what is it? Because people are aghast to think they got 30 more. For me, it's I got to make 11,400 more dinners. You know, because you know my <laughs> husband, Dan, he does yep. not cook. You know, it's like, oh, Dan, please, could you take the next 30 years on? And he says, no. So it this it's a really, really, it's more than uncharted waters. It is that. But it's even just this notion and understanding, like in your gut understanding, you likely have 30 more years on the planet. And I'm talking if you're now 65. So... That's the biggest mistake people make. They can't grasp it, and therefore, they can't make really good decisions about when to quit working and when to claim Social Security or what they're going to do. It becomes very, very challenging if you don't understand the end zone, the end, the goal. But I also find it interesting because if you don't live for 30 years, what's the alternative? Like, really? You want to die early? <laughs> so go with the 30 years. Let's get our arms around that. 
Well, what what is interesting about that on two different levels? One, personally, and I think we've talked about this in a podcast before. There is longevity in both on both sides of my family. Not everybody, you know, lives to a hundred or one hundred and four. But I, actually, if you go to the hundredth episode, I talk about two women on both different sides of the family who live to over a hundred. Uh, and wow. so there's a lot of longevity. Uh, my dad's currently ninety two. My aunt Mary lived to ninety eight. I mean, it's it's common in my family. So part of it is, you know, I've always known. I'm going to live a long time uh, or hope to live a long time. Uh, But it sounds like I'm the exception of the rule. The other thing that is interesting has to do with the psychology of actually, you know, planning and saving for retirement is that we often, unless we're somehow connected to our future self Mm -hmm. and that future self is that older person, like I I say, oh yeah, I'm going to live a long time, but I don't picture myself, you know, 90, (laughs) (laughs) even though, you know, so there's this disconnect, but if we can picture what our future self looks like and what we're going to want to be doing and to really have a vision of it, it becomes easier to then save for retirement and do the things that we need to do. So you kind of hit on both of those. Now I know both of you and I specialize in women. And so it's very well known that women on average, save less than men for retirement, that there's kind of this crisis around women in retirement. And so tell us a little bit about that crisis and what we can do to to change that trend. Yeah, that is a a really important topic. And you're right. We hear the headlines that women save less for retirement. So we have to get underneath it. What's going on? And the one thing we always hear is we have a wage gap. And that is true for the same job and the same level, it's been proven over and over that very often women get paid less than their male counterparts for the same job. But that's the easy identifier. The other things include women choose different careers and they don't always choose the highest paying careers. So predominantly still, you know, 100 years later, women are teachers, they're nurses, they're lower level managers in an organization, they work retail, they work service jobs. We are just in jobs that pay less. But our entire retirement system is structured on percent of wages. You save in your 401k or your 403b, you know, 5%, 6%, 10% of your wages. Well, smaller wages, you might be saving 10 or 13 or 15%, but 10% of a smaller number leads to smaller savings. So that I see as a, it's not a problem if you understand it from the beginning that you're in a lower wage industry, a lower wage job, and somehow you need to manage to save still enough to meet your lifestyle in retirement. So that's a problem I see. The bigger one is that moms are not valued. And the women who choose to come out of a job or a career to stay home to raise their families are truly not valued in our country. And yet, about half of moms come out of the workforce for at least a few years. But as soon as you make that decision and you try to get back in, Oh, now you're on the mom track. And Mm -hmm. that can, for many, many moms, that you've painted your lanes already, you know, at 25 or 30. And it's very, very difficult to ever then get to those highest levels. 
So that's a real problem in our country as part of our culture in our society. So if it's a cultural trend and it's something that is so big to tackle, what can we do individually around choosing to take care of our kids or take care of our elderly parents and lose those wages or also choose potentially a profession where we're making less? Although a large majority of women now are the female breadwinners, there's still professions that are making less than men. Absolutely. It is It is something we need to, I think we need to tackle this very, very early. And I'm talking about middle school. We don't have a lot of good curriculum or any curriculum that helps kids, boys and girls, start to understand the complex financial system they are growing into and how enormous their decisions are. And everything from dealing with debt, you know, should you go into debt early in your life or not? We don't help kids understand that. You know, we don't help them in your 20-somethings to really get your savings going in a really big way so that you'll be prepared at 60, 65, 70. We have an education problem. We have a prioritization problem. I think they're fixable, but, you know, it takes more than me. It takes more than a cookbook, Marcia. <laughs> yeah, it does, Kathleen. <laughs> but but and we so... also have to change laws. You know, this is the other thing that I find fascinating, that women have been, by law, by our American laws, have been excluded from owning money. We've only been able to truly own most of our money for the last 30 years, since the 1990s. But we still don't own, like in marriages, it's unequal. If the mom's, if the woman stays home to raise the kids and, and he's working and saving in the 401k, you know, to save for both of them, she has no ownership of that future retirement money, no vested interest. You know, she's busy. So we even set up our retirement system to be against women and the laws can change. Now, you know, that's a battle, but everybody's got to get behind it and get the legislative, you know, action going. But there's a lot of brick walls that women are running into and have to jump over. So what I'm hearing is that there's some individual actions we can take, and there's also some systematic change in legislations. Systematically, and I completely agree with you in terms of financial literacy in the schools, starting young, but also including, which I think the ones that do talk about financial literacy often don't talk about the complex systems. And maybe that's as someone progresses through high school into college, uh, but really educating people about how their decisions they make today affect their future. And then with legislation, really looking at, I mean, I even just think of uh, maternity leave and the fact Mm -hmm. that, you know, I used to work with a lot of institutions in Canada and people in Canada and and they get a year off and we are lucky if we get six weeks to eight weeks. And if it's paid, that's a bonus. So Mm -hmm. there's certainly some big changes that need to happen. I'm wondering if we can now go down to look at the financial services industry and maybe what are the things that could change there? And before I have you answer, I'm going to take a quick break. This is Kathleen Burns Kingsbury. I'm with Marsha Mantel, and we're talking about retirement literacy and her latest book called Cooking Up Your Retirement Plan. We'll be back in a minute. Hi, it's Kathleen Burns Kingsbury. I hope you're enjoying this episode of the Breaking Money Silence podcast. 
I want to take a quick time out to tell you a little bit about financial therapy. Yes, financial therapy. That word keeps showing up in the media more and more, but I've been doing financial therapy for years. And in 2023, I'm going to expand this part of my business. And I wanted you, my podcast listeners, to be the first to know. If you're curious about what is financial therapy, just know that it helps individuals and couples change unhealthy money habits, attitudes that cause them stress, anxiety, and lead them to feel uncomfortable with money. If you have trouble making big decisions, if you find that you're shopping too much, carrying too much debt, worrying about money, even though you shouldn't be worrying about money because there's enough in the bank, it may be time to consider financial therapy. The benefits are numerous and individual, but former clients have told me that they have experienced in a very short period of time a decrease in money-related anxiety and stress, they have less conflict about money in their relationships, and they engage in more productive money conversations. The advisors that refer clients to me say, finally, my clients can make the changes in their financial behaviors in order to save for their future. So if this sounds appealing to you and you want to know a little bit more, I have a special offer. I'm offering a free 30-minute consultation to anyone who's interested in learning more about financial therapy. You can email me at kbk at breakingmoneysilence.com or you can go to the show notes, click on the schedule link and set something up via my automatic calendar. If you're listening to this not on my website and you find that I don't want to do that, I would rather just reach out to you directly. Feel free to use my private email at kbk at breakingmoneysilence.com and shoot me an email letting me know you'd like to take advantage of this time-limited offer. So my hope is we'll chat about financial therapy soon. And now it's time to get back to our regular programming. We are having a great conversation today. I'm with my friend and colleague, Marsha Mantel. She is, among many things, the author of a new book called Cooking Up Your Retirement Plan. And just before the break, we were talking about some of the issues that women have around retirement and how, uh, you know, a lot of times people don't have a how-to guide. And her book is the start of a how-to do you do retirement in a recipe form, which is really kind of cool. Uh, and now I want to shift gears and talk about the financial services industry before we start to give some people some action steps. So we have both worked as consultants and educators in the financial services industry for a long time. And, you know, I am really looking for you to solve this problem, right? <laughs> so my question is, what can advisors and the industry do to better meet the needs of women as they approach retirement? Big question, but I'm wondering your thoughts. I love this question. I've never gotten this question before, so thank you. And I have three very specific answers. And the first is, as an industry, I'm not picking on any one, but just broadly as an industry, we need to stop judging women's choices. Money and building wealth is not her only objective in life. And kind of back to our moms, you know, the value that women place on family and caring for their parents and building their communities is often a much higher priority than dealing with investments. And unfortunately, on the investment side, the financial industry side, we judge her for that. So I'd like to knock that off. 
Then that is such a I, I know you have two more points, but that is such a great concise point. I've never thought of it that way, but you're right. We need to stop judging for w- women for their choices. Yeah, I I really really think we do. And part so number 2 is in order to do that, we need to start talking to her first of all in any of these advisory relationships. We need to actually talk to her and find out what her journey was and how good does she feel about it? You know, she might not have $5 million in the bank, but oh my God, she's raised three children and one is a this and one is a that, and she's got three grandkids now. That's value. So if you don't know her and understand her journey because you didn't ask, and by the way, our industry does not ask, it's really hard to understand where she wants to go. And she's more than just the value at the end of Q1 on a, on a statement. So that's number two. And then number three is as an industry, and it's been fascinating to watch over the last 30 years, we need to stop thinking that every decision, every financial decision is a tax minimization decision. We Oh, we need to minimize taxes here. And oh, don't do that or do do that because it'll lower your taxes. Like, we need to stop that. The decisions are really about ownership of money. And so where I'm going with this, Kathleen, it's specifically around IRAs. IRAs are small balance accounts, by and large, if you're just contributing to them. So our our advisory and our industry kind of poo-poo them now. They're no longer so important. But to women, they are critical. They're the easiest vehicle to get ownership of money because you are the only one who controls everything in this account. The I and IRA is individual. So this is the only place you as the individual, you pick how much money goes in up to the limits. You pick the investments. You pick how and when you're going to spend that money or pull it out. And you choose the beneficiaries all on your own. That is ownership. That is control. And I believe strongly that our industry has fallen far, far behind in helping women become owners and, you know, shame on us. That's the goal. It is not about whether it's tax deductible or not. That is fascinating. This is why I love these conversations and I'm hoping our listeners do too, (laughs) because, you know, I've been working in that space for a really long time of how do we better meet women's needs? And and the different, because you have more of the technical expertise than I do and know-how, it's really, those are things that I think, not the tax piece, but in terms of judging her choices, you know, I talk about taking a nuanced approach, talking to women, asking more questions. I talk about that all the time. And what is interesting is with the tax minimization, I haven't thought about that one, but you're right. A lot of times it's about a tax strategy as opposed to pulling back and saying, what's important to you, client? You know, what do you, what are your values? What are your goals? And this idea of her having individual control over her money and it being so new, really, you know, there's a lot, there's a lot percolating over here. And I hope uh, so for the, for the audience. Now, are there other things, other tactics that women can take in addition to maybe exploring an IRA? And, you know, I know we can't have an exhaustive list right now, but just little steps that they can take if they're listening in or advisors who are listening in that serve women to have more control over their money. 
And so they can have more control over their retirement. Yes. One of the big ones that gets missed, I think, everywhere in our industry, except maybe in the banks, you need to have your own very, very good and solid credit score. And women don't know how to do that a lot of times, especially women who have been married for a long time. We couldn't have our own credit cards back when I was a teenager. And my mom, you know, couldn't have, your mom couldn't have credit cards. It was illegal for women unless daddy signed that it was okay for a single woman to have a credit card. If she was married, it's her husband's credit card and okay, we'll let her be an authorized user. So that's still very prevalent for a lot of women, especially those approaching retirement right now, not the millennials. You know, we're talking about a little bit older women. So what's your credit score? How do you, how do you maintain it? How do you get, how do you improve it? Well, part of it is you have to own stuff. You know, you have to have utility bills in your name, not just in your husband's name. You need to look up on like Experian and what are the other two? Trans oh, the credit, uh, credit rating score agencies. Rec- yep. Yes, the reporting agencies. Thank you. That's exactly what I was trying to say. Because a strong credit history allows you to get favorable lending when you need it. You know, the next time you buy a car, new or used, doesn't matter. Make sure that car loan is in your name. You know, women very often don't do that if they're partnered. So that's a really key piece. Credit is huge in our country these days, which it wasn't 30 years ago. So that's important. Owning your own IRA, um, having access. If you are married, make sure you have full access to every account that your spouse has. As full as you can get, make sure you're, you know, have joint accounts or transfer on death or payable on death for individual accounts, that your name is on them, that you are the beneficiary if your spouse sadly, you know, dies tomorrow. Um, you need to be able to have access to the money. And we just so often don't. I, I cannot tell you how many women working with advisors and not working with advisors who had no idea where the money was when they became a widow or when they got divorced. Well, what I love about all of these tips, but certainly the the access tip and the credit um, score tip is it's really about being mindful and educating yourself. And, you know, what I like and why I'm so crazy about your book, other than I think the the graphic design is really adorable and whatnot, and it's a workbook and I'm a sucker for a workbook, is that, you know, you can look in this book and go, oh, okay, so what do I need to be mindful of? And you have a lot of different activities in here, worksheets, checklists, places where people can fill in things, including, by the way, travel plans. So she's not completely (laughs) biased against travel. Um, So you can kind of look through and thumb through and pick out the pieces that are uh, important. Now, we have hit on so many different things. And you know, you and I, as we know, this is why you keep coming back, could have these conversations forever. Um, But what I would like to do is have you think about if you had to pick one recipe out of your book to leave people with or to for people to think about as it relates to retirement, what would it be and why? My favorite page in the book is the one, I don't know the actual page number, the page that says, here's one week. It's a one week empty calendar. This is what I would leave as the recipe. It's a calendar. Like we all schedule, we have meetings, we have to be to work, we have commitments. Our calendars are full when we're not retired. And this one is blank. It's, you know, Sunday through Saturday and 7 a.m. to 8 p.m. Fill it in. 
I challenge you to fill in what you will be doing one of the weeks in early retirement. I love I, this. It I struggle. It happens to be page 18. Oh, thank you. I was just going to flip open my book. Uh, again, this is something I've played with for a long time, mainly because I was trying to figure it out. It was, you know, it's like, well, imagine what would I do? Because, you know, like your schedule, we are booked solid, you know, eight in the morning till five at night, and then you got to make dinner and then you got to do the laundry, you know. And you're, you're jam-packed living and exciting and and a busy life, whether you've got little kids still at home or you're a nurse and you're, you know, on long shifts, whatever your walk of work life is. But man, you get to this view of retirement and it's like, oh, now what? You know, it's like, okay, maybe I could start to go to the gym, Kathleen. Well, I'm going to sleep from seven to eight, but okay, at eight o'clock, I'll go to the gym. All right, home at nine. Okay. Uh, now what? Got a lot more hours. And I've seen women go through this transition, by the way. I happen to live in a resort town and a lot of um, my friends have gone through this transition and some have been very good at in advance thinking about their calendar, saving for retirement and really figuring out what they need to do to live the life they want to live. And others I have watched, they recover, but the first couple of months are rough, not having any idea, feeling lack of sense of purpose. So I think this is a great concrete challenge and exercise and recipe uh, for people to check out. So there is so much more for them to learn from you. So how can people find out more about your work and um, about your book? And I happen to love this book and this concept. And the reason you didn't know about it in advance was I was not sure I was going to ever get it over the finish line. And it was my designer, Geraldine Miller, who just, you're right, this is such a fun graphic book. It is so engaging. Even if you hate to talk about money, it's like, yeah, but we talk about a whole lot of other things too. So um, you can find lots of information, more of why I wrote the book and set it up the way I did on my blog. That's where I mainly keep content about what boomers are doing, uh, stuff about social security and Medicare resources, et cetera. So that's boomerretirementbriefs.com. And it's just fun. You can sign up for the newsletter that I try to send out every month, but you can always, you know, take a look. Boomer Retirement Briefs, all one word, dot com. And then the books are available on Amazon and Barnes and Noble. Excellent. And I think you have a special offer before you leave. I do. I would love to hear from people. This is the kind of guidebook and discussion guide you you need to see and you need to try it out to really understand the power behind it. So I would love for five people to try it. And if you're willing to try it, I will send you a free copy. All you have to do is send me an email at, we'll put my email in the show notes too. Yes, we'll put it all, we'll put a link, the special offer. So the first five people to take uh, Marsha up on the offer to take a look at the book, try it out and give her some feedback, will get a free copy of her book. Exactly. So just email me and let me know you heard us on Breaking Money Silence. As always, Marcia, so fun to chat, especially fun to chat about um, your work and you know how we can make a difference in this field and also to educate uh, listeners about what they can do to prepare for a part of their life that could be a lot of fun and enjoyment as long as they just plan for their future. So thanks for Breaking Money Silence with me. You're welcome. Thanks for inviting me on. Thank you for listening to Breaking Money Silence, hosted by Kathleen Burns Kingsbury 
a wealth psychology expert, author, and founder of KBK Wealth Connection. If you like what you heard today, be sure to subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcast app and leave a review. Also, share this episode with your friends and family. It is a great way to get the conversation started. For more money talk tips and information, or to hire Kathleen to speak at your next event, go to www.breakingmoneysilence.com.